0: It was. It was also written in an age that was very uh, outbound focused, you know, which is about getting your message out there, kind of pushing, pushing your message. This is us, you know, come, come buy our stuff, as opposed to focusing on that inbound, which is where the mark, you know, marketing is certainly shifted over the past whatever decade or years. Um, to yeah. Well, it's like the
1: the fact yeah, the fact you used to just broadcast your message as much as possible and ram it down people's throats, that I think the consumer has gotten a little smarter than that because they've just had overexposure to that type of marketing and that that tactic or perhaps you'd call it a strategy isn't doesn't work as well. And then that's where the guys like Yvonne Chouinard and Patagonia's and... Um, even to an extent maybe you'd say Richard Branson's and those guys have kind of gone at it a bit of a different way and succeeded through the 2000s, uh, even though they were arguably successful before then. Their type of marketing has kind of, um, yeah, really moved forward a lot more than the Campbell's soup ads 40 times a day. And so, yeah, yeah brands can no longer just rely on
0: pure exposure to win yeah that's helpful but. yeah it's it's you have you almost have a separation of the brand itself from the products itself to some degree in, in that the brand is continually building and you know radiating in in energy over time which is that Branson brand as you said versus yeah throwing out the Campbell's the Campbell's soup um, product itself. I'm sure if, I wonder if they, Branson they could sell, p- I wonder if Branson could sell Campbell's soup.
1: Well, I mean, they got a pretty good boost from Andy Warhol. So, um, maybe that was the G ge- the most genius marketing move ever you, from Andy or whoever came up with it. But, uh,
0: I think that was, yeah, I think that I was think Campbell's part-
1: soup. I think, I think, I think him. So
0: I think I think that was Andy's marketing move, not, not necessarily Cable's.
1: Oh definitely. yeah, definitely. I mean, it'd be interesting to check that, but
0: I'm pretty sure um uh, it was all him. And I guess at the uh, end at the end of the day, mate, it comes down to that what is the point of marketing? Well, yeah, and this is the overarching message of the whole book,
1: I think, is that to, they call it the law of perception. They've got 22 laws, as is in the uh, title, but we'll go through some of the major themes uh, and some of the ones that we think, I suppose, represent some of the others. But, you know, that, that they're fundamentally saying that the marketing is a battle of perception. And to take that to the next level, perception is your reality. So when you're making a purchasing choice, there's a lot of different factors that go into that, but it is your perception that will make that choice. And so they say most marketing mistakes stem from the assumption that you're fighting a product battle rooted in reality, but that that's not actually the case. You're you're fighting a battle of perception and how your product is perceived, and you know positioning is kind of the second part of that that we'll get into. Um, but essentially it's kind of about trying to figure out how your product is perceived by your consumers or consumers or customers it's not really about how many rpm's it, or the your kasha washer does or, or whatever yeah that is not a good example but you know it's not about the nuts and bolts of the product as much as we like to think
0: maybe maybe a um a classic example would be, I'm sure there's maybe less so now, but certainly going back years ago when it was just, just NASA in the space race program, you know, or, you know, there was some of the big, the big state run um, space race programs. There was, there would have been plenty of stuff that was getting used to build space products that were totally applicable across, you know, maybe auto auto manufacturing or um, infrastructure, or who knows? I'm sure some consumer goods, but they weren't um, they weren't kind of marketed in that fashion. People didn't see them as being relevant to that particular industry. Who knows? Maybe maybe it maybe it helps you with getting better display on your television or something. There's there's some technology that they're using, and so the point is, it's not just individuals that have their own perception. It's like industries have their own perception and and there are all these paradigms and perspectives as to how things fit together. But at the end of the day, it's human nature. Um,
1: Yeah, and and wrapped up in human nature is status and um, what you want for yourself and what you're actually buying something for. Um, But, yeah, I guess their point is that they say only by studying how perceptions are formed in the mind and focusing your marketing programs on those perceptions can you overcome your basically incorrect marketing instincts
0: yeah their big thing is that it's not not just about having the absolute best product you know that's only part of the equation so xerox before we get too nostalgic, um, they were the first in copiers and they tried to go into, into the computer business and um, 25 years and $2 billion later, uh, Xerox was nowhere in computers. Mm-hmm. So it's still, they've still got a pretty long time horizon that they're looking at. So the point was that Xerox had been established and Xerox had been known as a particular you know, product or company. And that's what people knew them for and that's what people went to them for they didn't go to xerox for computers and arguably what is what is xerox used for now i know Mines, them in, photo, in printing and photocopiers it's
1: basically photocopiers mm. as far as i can as far as i know so their point kind of holds with that
0: yeah and so once you know once a mind is made up it is rarely ever changes and i was thinking about this like one one personal brand example uh i think is maybe tim ferris and tim ferris has always you know for me has always been this like self-help productivity weird experiment type guy and seeing him or seemingly noticing him trying to maybe shift gears slightly over the last couple of years has been really interesting and i think a lot of people probably still just go to him for exactly what he's known for. Uh, very fascinating, but but for me, he'll always be known as like that the guy that does mm. real productivity hacks and you know, yeah, the weird experiments and things.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. He's uh, he's definitely that way in my mind for sure.
0: Yeah, exceptional, nonetheless. But you know,
1: absolutely. Uh, I suppose this kind of goes into the idea that, okay, if you get burnt into the mind as something, well, then you need to create a new category for yourself that you can be number one in. And this is the thing that they describe as um, the law of category or positioning. So kind of flows out from those. It's like, okay, there's room. If you think of what, and it's, I guess it's kind of a little bit of a thinking fast and slow thing, you've got like this kind of uh, type one sort of, uh, you know, reaction um, to things, an instantaneous link. And so if you think photocopy is Xerox then or vacuum cleaner Hoover back in the day, probably when this was written, um, then you you can't be a... Uh, a, a vacuum cleaner company, and and want to win the idea of vacuum cleaner. No, you need to actually change your category and position yourself as something else because people don't necessarily buy the product. So, in that instance, you may want to change your positioning to be the high, the most high tech vacuum cleaner, and you talk, and then you're James Dyson. And so you can create further and further and further niches of, of positioning your product in different areas and I think there's some real genius in this um, and it flows into another law, the law of the ladder. But essentially, you know, people buy products for numerous different reasons and it's often not the case that it's related to cost and it's also not the case that the price is generally related to cost. So, if you're buying a Louis Vuitton handbag, you're paying, you know, thousands more um, than the actual cost price of making that item. But you're not buying the physical bag, you're buying status that comes with that bag. Um,
0: this is, and, and this so is, that's, this, yeah. I was going to say, this is where you get into that that real space around uh, like Rene Girard and memetics and tribes and, you know, so people wanting to belong to a particular clique or a particular mm. tribe and which is driven by this idea of mimetics which was coined by René Girard and that people just mimic, mimic one another and the, you see these trends of mimicry almost give rise to different yeah, you know, different opportunities for new companies or new products or new things that that come about. Hmm.
1: Um, yeah, so I think like maybe clothing is such a fantastic example of this because if you really just wanted a shirt, you can get a shirt for very very cheap. You know, if you wanted the utilitarian function of a shirt, uh, you can get them anywhere. But you can also you can buy thousands of different brands and types and shirts and some are some you want to buy them because they are expensive. Maybe you're buying a gift and it's important that you spend a certain amount of money just on something. So you might actually want the price to be high. That might be part of its value that it's expensive and the handbag can be part of that. Or it may be that the look makes you look like your favourite surfer and so you're in that tribe, you're a surfy tribe. Um, Or you may want something that's, super functional got lots of pockets because you want to be seen as handy and it's all these kind of strange and wonderful things that go on in our heads that are different positions for the same item and so the law of the ladder which is kind of their their next one um, kind of talks about the, your position in the market against uh the leader I suppose Uh, and you should kind of adjust your strategy depending on your position in the market so if you're the market leader um, you want to act a certain way but if you're second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth it's generally not advised to try and look like the leader because they've already got that position Um, you actually want to make yourself look Different to them and differentiate yourself so that you're having a new position and admitting that you're not the top dog but saying where for the, and this is Seth Godin kind of stuff where he's like, you know, people like us do things like this. And so you say, well, if you if you want to go and buy the top brand of, you know, soup, well, that's for you. But if you care about the earth and you like organic soup, then you're like us and you should buy this soup because it's a little more exclusive. Not everyone's going to turn up with this one in the, in the lunchroom. And when someone asks you about it, you can say, oh, well, this is organic soup and that has whole newer connotations. And there's this you can divide a market according to them as many times as you want, hundreds into tiny segments with tiny, tiny target markets.